Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Michael Lang, the chair of the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Medicine at East Carolina University. I am here today with my partner, Dr. Monica Sharma, a second-year internal medicine psychiatry resident at ECU. We are discussing today part two of the SSRIs. Neither Dr. Sharma nor I have any commercial disclosures. As we've previously discussed, Dr. Sharma, the SSRIs are primarily indicated for the treatment of major depression. However, you mentioned earlier that SSRIs have a broad spectrum of activity in a variety of psychiatric conditions in addition to depression. What other FDA-approved indications are there for SSRIs? SSRIs have a role in the treatment of most anxiety disorders and are frequently prescribed for generalized anxiety disorder, social anxiety disorder, panic disorder, obsessive-compulsive disorder, and post-traumatic stress disorder, all of which have FDA indications for. A reduction in amygdala responsiveness has also been implicated in the therapeutic action of SSRIs. And reduction in limbic activity during emotion perception by SSRIs has been shown to predict improvement in symptoms of anxiety and depression. If you recall from our last episode, the utility of clomipramine, a serotonergic TCA, in the treatment of OCD was first noted in 1968. Since that time, it has become clear that other serotonergic agents are similarly useful in the treatment of this historically difficult-to-treat disorder. And fluoxamine, fluoxetine, sertraline, and paroxetine all have an FDA indication for the treatment of OCD. Of note, the dosages of SSRIs in treatment of OCD are usually higher than those required for the treatment of depression, and the latency to response also tends to be longer. Do SSRIs have other FDA-approved indications in addition to treatment of anxiety-related disorders such as GAD, OCD, PTSD, social anxiety, and panic disorder? Yes, there are several more. The most recent FDA approval was the approval of paroxetine for vasomotor symptoms in 2014. And paroxetine at dosages of 7.5 milligrams per day significantly reduced hot flashes in perimenopausal women. Another indication for the SSRIs is the treatment of eating disorders, particularly bulimia nervosa. SSRIs may ameliorate the carbohydrate craving and mood disturbances associated with bulimia nervosa and obesity. And fluoxetine has also been shown to have a positive effect on binge purge cycle in some bulimic patients. SSRIs are also indicated for the treatment of premenstrual dysphoric disorder, or PMDD, which is a severe form of premenstrual syndrome occurring in about 3% of the female population. It's associated with a range of disruptive emotional and physical symptoms that occur monthly, usually only during the week or two before a woman's period in the luteal phase of their cycle. Several studies have supported the use of SSRIs, in particular fluoxetine and sertraline, in treating this disorder. And 60 to 75% of women with PMDD improve with an SSRI, with effects being seen as early as the first cycle after the initiation. Moreover, it may not be necessary to take the medication every day. Even taking the SSRI only during the second half or the luteal phase of the menstrual cycle appears to be effective in treating PMDD. How do the side effects of SSRIs compare to those of older antidepressants, such as the TCAs? What is the most common side effect of SSRIs and the most common reasons patients are unable to tolerate them? SSRIs tend to be safer and better tolerated than their predecessors in general. The selective nature of the SSRIs results in the very favorable side effect profile and a large therapeutic index for these drugs. In early clinical studies, approximately twice as many patients were likely to drop out because of adverse effects associated with TCAs as they were to because of those associated with SSRIs. 
but the SSRIs are largely devoid of the anticholinergic side effects that plague TCAs. And adverse effects such as urinary retention, constipation, uh, blurry vision, orthostatic hypertension, delirium do not occur with SSRI use. In fact, the most common associated side effects with SSRIs and the most common reason patients discontinue them early in treatment are gastrointestinal side effects such as nausea, diarrhea, cramping, heartburn, etc. This isn't surprising since the gut is lined with serotonin receptors and as with SNRIs, all SSRIs can cause nausea and stomach upset, especially upon initiation or a dose-up titration of these drugs. These effects tend to diminish over the first two to four weeks of treatment, and there are also several st- strategies helpful in reducing SSRI-induced GI distress. The first is to instruct patients to take their medication with meals, as a full stomach appears to mitigate some of the GI distress. The second is to slowly up-titrate the medication, starting at half or even less than half of the usual starting dose. And moving the dose up slowly in sensitive patients allows adaptation to occur. Another strategy is to use 5-HE3 antagonists such as Zofran or Ondansetron, or even Mirtazapine, which is a 5-HE2 and 5-HT3 antagonist in conjunction with the SSRIs to mitigate these effects. Another troublesome side effect of SSRIs is treatment emergent sexual dysfunction, particularly diminished sexual desire and libido, delayed ejaculation, anorgasmia, and impotence. Since the advent of the SSRIs in the 1990s, it has become increasingly clear that sexual dysfunction is a much bigger problem with SSRI treatment than uh, we previously recognized with the incidence reaching about 30 to 40% for all of the SSRIs. Accommodation to these sexual side effects may occur in some patients, but even this improvement can take months to years. There are a number of strategies to help counteract SSRI-induced sexual dysfunction, but most have not been well studied. Sildenafil at dosages of, uh, or Viagra at dosages of 50 to 100 milligrams per day has demonstrated utility in countering these effects. And it's been shown to increase overall sexual satisfaction in both men and women. Alternatively, switching to bupropion or Welbutrin or adding it as an adjunct has proved useful in some cases. Holding the dose of the shorter-acting SSRIs such as paroxetine and sertraline for 24 hours prior to anticipated sexual activity has been anecdotally reported to be helpful. What are some other common side effects associated with SSRIs, and are there any helpful strategies to minimize those effects? While they are selective, SSRIs are not specific. They affect diffuse serotonergic pathways in the brain, some of which contribute to CNS arousal. Consequently, another common side effect of SSRIs is central nervous system activation, uh, with at least 10 to 20% of patients complaining of insomnia, jitteriness, and agitation during the course of treatment. Due to its particularly long half-life, which further amplifies the duration level of serotonin available to activate postsynaptic neurons, fluoxetine is the most stimulating agent among the SSRIs, and thus it should be taken in the morning when it is less likely to interfere with sleep. If patients do develop insomnia with other SSRIs, it's often effective to have the patient take the dose earlier in the day. Trazodone is another commonly used agent shown to be helpful at doses of 50 to 100 milligrams at bedtime for SSRI-induced insomnia. In addition, it may also help augment the antidepressant response of the SSRIs. Moreover, some patients may instead become sedated on SSRIs, particularly with paroxetine, whose half-life is under 20 hours and among the shortest. 
Uh, when sedation occurs, taking the dose at around 8 p.m. Is, is useful to match the peak blood level with the optimum time of sedation. What is the risk of overdosing on an SSRI? Most overdoses are uneventful and require only supportive care. Uh, one analysis suggested that as many as 14 per 1,000 overdoses with SSRIs fatal, and this rate of 0.14% is just a fraction of the rate of lethal TCA overdoses and is also significantly lower than the fatal overdoses seen with the SNRI venlafaxine. Is there a risk of QTC prolongation with SSRIs that clinicians should be aware of? In 2011, the FDA issued out a warning about the modest risk of acute prolongation with citalopram, particularly at doses greater than 40 milligrams per day. The maximum recommended dose for citalopram was subsequently readjusted to be 40 milligrams per day in order to minimize this risk of QTC prolongation. Interestingly, the FDA has not extended this warning to escitalopram, although the side effects of escitalopram at 20 milligrams per day are roughly equivalent to that seen with citalopram at 40 milligrams per day. Although it's not routine practice to obtain an EKG prior to starting these drugs, special populations, including elderly patients and those with a history of arrhythmias, would benefit from a baseline EKG and repeat EKG. What is the relationship between antidepressants and the risk of suicidality? Why is there a black box warning for suicidality? In 2004, an FDA review of the antidepressants found an increased risk of suicidal ideation of about 3% with antidepressants and 1.5% with placebo, particularly in adolescents and children. Older patients appeared not to show this risk, and elderly subjects showed a significant decrease in this risk. Subsequently, the FDA issued a black box warning on antidepressants regarding the risk of emergent suicide-like behavior in adolescents and young adults. Studies after this black box warning have examined the risk of suicidal behavior, but have generally failed to find an association. What are the doses for starting SSRIs? How do the individual SSRIs compare in their dose-response relationship? SSRIs typically do not require prolonged titration, as is common with the TCAs and the MAYs. The starting dose of SSRIs is frequently the optimal dose as well. Given the already lengthy latency of onset of antidepressant action, this is another factor which has contributed to the enormous popularity of the SSRIs, especially among clinicians. Fluoxetine, proxetine, and citalopram are usually initiated at 20 milligrams per day, with dosages ranging from 20 to 40 or 60 milligrams. If no response is seen, the dosage may then be increased at intervals of greater than one week. Unlike the relatively flat dose response curve of most other SSRIs, sertraline has a more linear dose response curve and is more effective at the higher end of its dosage range than at its recommended starting dose of 50 milligrams per day. Does it make sense to switch from one SSRI to another if one is not working? The remission and response rates for patients switched to sertraline were about the same as those who switched to venlafaxine or bupropion. Since patients who discontinued one SSRI because of either lack of efficacy or lack of tolerability were able to do well with another agent, the study trial concluded that SSRIs were not interchangeable and that switching within the same class of SSRIs was as good as switching outside the class. In fact, as many as 50% of patients who have not responded to one SSRI may respond to another. In another study, 91% of patients who were intolerant to fluoxetine tolerated sertraline. 
However, melancholic inpatients who have not responded to an adequate trial of an SSRI appear to have a much lower chance of responding to another SSRI. Can SSRIs be abruptly discontinued? They can be. However, as with discontinuation of MAY and TCAs, the abrupt discontinuation of SSRIs precipitates symptoms of withdrawal, such as especially in the case of SSRI discontinuation syndrome, a flu-like condition with malaise, nausea, and headaches occurring within two to seven days of stopping the agent. Of note, SSRI discontinuation syndrome is more common with paroxetine, likely due to its greater potency, anticholinergic properties, and shorter half-life. On the other hand, fluoxetine, due to its very long half-life, may be stopped abruptly without much risk of precipitating discontinuation syndrome. So in summary, SSRIs were the first psychiatric drug to be synthesized with a rational drug design. Although SSRIs retain the efficacy of traditional antidepressants, their selective nature afford SSRIs a favorable safety and side effect profile relative to their predecessors. Moreover, they have a large therapeutic index with many versatile indications, including treatment of GAD, OCD, PTSD, panic, social anxiety, bulimia, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, and vasomotor symptoms. The most common and tolerable side effects of SSRIs are gastrointestinal-related and sexual dysfunction. As we had learned from prior trials, SSRIs are not interchangeable, and patients who do not respond to fluoxetine, for example, may well respond to sertraline. In our subsequent episodes, we will discuss additional antidepressants, such as the SNRIs and bupropion.